Thank you for being so flexible coming on in. I knew you got settled where you were. You had pitched your tent, staked your claim. But I'm so glad you were flexible enough to come on in the middle. Give yourselves a hand. You guys are wonderful people. Now we're talking about drawing near. Okay, drawing near this year. And so one of the things that we're trying to talk about is, hey, if you want to draw near, I think a lot of times the visual to draw near to God involves just kind of standing still and reaching your arms up. We go drawing near to God, maybe just having this emotional experience. Oh, God, just come into me. Drawing near to God is just kind of like this and going, oh, please. But, you know, God actually has a different view. If you want to get close to God, you know, it's not something we do passively. Do you understand that? Jesus is not our gas station. You don't go, let me park here and see if Jesus will come and wipe my windows, fill me up with gas. Maybe I'll give him a tip. Remember the old days when there was full service? He's not our power source. Plug in until you're just kind of filled up. Now we find power from God. I want you to understand that. And Jesus will fix it when trouble comes your way. But sometimes if you want to get close to God, you've got to step it up. You just got to step it up. You go, where in the Bible does it say that? I'm going to have Kathy throw some scriptures up here just so you can see. I have them all written out for you. It says in Galatians 5, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You know, you got to step it up sometimes to be in the Spirit. Spirit just doesn't come into you. you got to step it up. You want to draw closer to God? Take a step. You know, even Jesus said that full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit in inside, in his very being. Yet he had to step it up. He had to follow the Spirit into the desert. You want to be close to God? God's on the move. God is active. He is doing things. If you want to draw clear to him, draw near to him, you got to step it up. That's what Jesus said when he described God. He says in his defense, Jesus said that my father is always at his work to this very day. And I too am working. You want to be close to God? Get working. God is just not sitting around. And then that's what the disciples had to do. Mark chapter 10 verse 32. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way. And the disciples were astonished while those who followed were what? Afraid. You see, many of us want to draw close to God. Many of us will come in and say, hey, can you fill me up today, Dave? Can I make church my gas station today? Can you give me a feeling so I feel closer to God? We're not about feeling close to God. We're about being close to God. And there's a difference. Are you aware of that? And so to draw near. You want to draw near to God, you got to go far. To keep up with God, you got to get moving. And it's a fun thing to do. It really is. I don't want you to think God's just like dragging you along. I, when, when I was in college, I, I had these, you know, I was trying to evangelize and reach out to people, right? And so what I would do is like if someone who, you know, was into something, I go, well, let me get into that too, just to kind of build a relationship. Have you ever done that? And I learned a lot. I never knew anything about the sport of crew, rowing, you know? Like who? Like, I don't know. Any of you into that? I wasn't. 
reached out to a guy. He was a coxswain. Did you know what a coxswain is? I'll tell you. It's the smallest guy on the crew team that tells everyone to row. <laughs> row, stroke, stroke. But it's a, it's a big science. I mean, he was really into it. So I was like, okay, I'll go. But then I was reaching out to this one guy who was from Oregon. And you know what they do in Oregon? They run. They run and run and run. And so to be his friend, guess what I had to do? Run. It was not fun. And so sometimes you go, oh, keep up with God. Does that mean you're just like, one more mile. Just keep going. No, when you're with God and you're in step with his spirit, it's an adventure. It's going to be exciting. But you want to draw close to God, you got to step it up. We got to go far to draw near. Are you with me on that? And we're going to do that today. You know, this whole month, we're going to be talking about how we dream to draw near. How, you know, God will put a dream on your heart. God will speak to you in ways that, you know, really call you, man, in order for me to get there. It's not going to be by my strength. It's not going to be by by my wisdom. It's not going to be by my talents. I'm going to have to get to this thing that we call the faith point. I'm going to have to live to this point where I've I've just got to rely on the supernatural to see it happen. I'm going to have to step it up. To the point where I'm holding on to Jesus. And it'll be a wild ride. And I just want you guys to experience that. Because it's a joy. We're going to look today at Acts chapter 9. Let's go there. Because God can give us a vision that forces us to draw near. Acts chapter 9. Now let me kind of give you um, a tidbit. We're, We're still, next week we're working with our leaders team to make sure we get the calendar really finalized, okay? So I know that normally in January we have everything all lined up and everything's clear. Um, We'll do that in February. How does that sound? All right, so we're going to meet with the core leaders team, get everything finalized. But part of every beginning of the year, we do kind of a time where we fast, pray, draw closer to God. So we will be having a devotional series on, you know, dreaming to draw near. And we're going to look at the dreams that God's put on people's hearts that people had in their own hearts and how those dreams can draw us close to God. But we're going to look at one today in Acts chapter 9. In Acts chapter 9, we're going to look at verse 11. We're going to look at some guy named Ananias here. Acts chapter 9, verse 11. I'm sorry. Acts chapter 9, verse 10. In Acts chapter 9, verse 10, let's take a look at this. It says, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias! Yes, Lord, he answered. You know, this is how God calls. It's not a whisper. Do you see that? I don't know about you. When I read, sometimes I just read in my head and I don't hear the volume. I don't feel the intensity. And so right here, Ananias is hanging out there and God goes, boom, Ananias! What is that? A vision is a waking dream where God speaks to us. There are dreams we have when we're sleeping, and there are some dreams that God wants us to have when we're awake, and he will wake us up. See, God's trying to wake you up. Did you know that? He's trying to get your attention today. 
He's trying to help you see, wow, it is time to actually listen to God. And he might be yelling at you right now. He says, Ananias, are you hearing God? Are your ears open? You know, how, do I, how do I find that? How do I know if God's speaking to me? Look into the scriptures. He's speaking to you. Some of us, we close our Bibles because God speaks too loudly. Some of us, we go, I don't want to read the Bible because sometimes when I read the Bible, I just hear things. And I feel things. And they can be scary. You know, sometimes you got to look into your heart. God is calling you. You know you've been feeling things. You know you've been thinking things. You know, man, I've got to go and be and do. God is calling me. And you hear it, and he's yelling. If you got quiet enough, God will say, wake up. Sometimes we got to look at our circumstances. I am in this moment for a reason. Are you happy where you are right now? Silence. You're in that moment for a reason. Whether it's good or it's bad, God's saying, this is a chance. Wake up. I have a vision for you. So God is calling you. Whether you know it or not, he is. I'm very unhappy with what's going on. Wake up. God is calling you to act. I'm very happy with what's going on. Wake up. God is calling you to give. And this is what we see. He says, Ananias. He gets called by name. And the first thought I just want you to have is this. God wants you to be his dreamer. God wants you specifically to be his dreamer. Now, we're gonna, I'm going to show you all three points today. Kathy, Kathy, we're working on how we're going to do this. But here you go. All three points with fill in the blanks. That's just that's a teaser. We got three points today, but the first one is this. God wants you to be his dreamer. You. You are important to God. He has something very much for you in mind. And oftentimes we can walk into church. We could go out into the community and just think, all I'm here to do is get through. I'm here to get a job. I'm here to keep my job. I'm here to find someone who loves me. I'm here to take care of those kids. I'm here to keep them out of trouble. I'm here to keep myself out of trouble. Ever just felt that way? And God says, no, I have a dream for you. I have a vision for you. And it has your name on it. It says, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him. Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying in a vision. For he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. You see, God has a vision for you. And it's very important for us to understand what kind of church are we? Because a lot of times we could lose our way. A lot of times we go, this is a church where we're going to meet each other's needs. This has got to be a church where every person feels and knows and understands I'm important to God's plan. And God details it out. He goes, I need you to go. I need you to go and find this guy named Saul because he's praying and he's seen you come to him. 
He's seen some person named Ananias, and this person is going to help him. And is going to lay hands on him and restore his sight. He says, Ananias, you have a specific mission. And you are important in my plan. You go, what does that plan look like? God makes it clear. I'm giving you a vision, and I need you to find this other guy. And he has a vision. And I want you to meet. That's an interesting thought. He didn't say, I want you to meet some guy who's just wandering and wandering and in need. He says, I want you to meet this person, and he has a vision. I want you to find him, and I want you to touch him, and I want you to heal him. Here's the point here. Dreamers bond with other dreamers. Dreamers need to find other dreamers. Dreamers need to dream together. You know, we're talking about our, who our church is going to be. And I, I kicked it off a little bit. I gave you a picture. The kind of church we're going to be is we're going to be a one faith church. Did you catch that last week? You go, what did that mean, Dave? Because the Bible says there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And when you share the same faith, there's a bond that cannot be replicated by human means. When you have one faith, there's a love that's beyond worldly love. When you share one faith, there's a hope beyond your circumstances in the world. And it's so important for us to decide, man, we got to have one faith. Because dreamers bond with dreamers. we got to be people who go, man, I've got to find someone who has a dream. Have you felt lonely in our church? Find a dreamer. Have you felt isolated in our fellowship? Be a dreamer. There are many of us, we're just thinking, how can I get my needs met? Have you ever been that desperate? Have you ever been that hungry? Have you ever been that afraid? And saying, man, how can I just find someone to help me out? You'll feel a bit lonely. Because there's not one person in this room who completely understands your pain. There's not one person in this room who completely understands your life. And so you'll feel empty. And there might people who, there, there are many people here in this room who have sat with you, who have sat with you, who have prayed with you, who have called you, but you'll still feel empty. Because dreamers bond with dreamers. And you have to look and say, whatever I'm going through, God's calling me to have a dream. And I've got to find other people who are striving for one faith. There's such a bond there. There's such a bond. You know, it's very interesting as we've kind of, you know, Rob and I has our journey with the fellowship here in the East. And and I, I think sometimes we've gotten away from lifting each other up in the fellowship. And I want us to rekindle that. Okay, I want us to be able, as we get up here, to lift up people who, who've been meaningful to us and who've helped us because it's not a competition. And if I mention someone, that doesn't mean you're not special, but there's just certain people that come to mind. But when I walked into the, this ministry, remember, it was a scary thing. Not because you were scary. 
It was a scary thing. You, why was it scary, Dave? Because, you know, there was a lot of fear in the fellowship. There was a lot of wonder in the fellowship. There was a lot of distrust in the fellowship. There are people thinking, hey, Dave, you came here to split us up. You just came here to kind of say, how can I, in a nice way, with a smile, disperse you all? Some people were like, well, our last leader left, and the leader before that left, the leader before that left. I'm just going to time you, and let's all take bets. You know, you'll walk in, and there's some people, arms folded. There are some people who are going, you know what? I'm already out the door. I've been thinking about leaving, and this is God's sign. Time to go. So I just saw the smoke. I saw the shape of the body in the door. Right? You know, you'll walk in. So, well, what do you do? How do you, how do you manage that? What, what's your, you know what? God brings dreamers. God brings people who go, man, I share your vision. I share your faith. Let's bond. The Sanchez's, it's weird, right? We had history. Even, you know, Don and I had history, and I was talking about history. She came up to me and said, well, you know, we haven't talked in a while, Dave. Let's see, where's our friendship, really? Where's our air quote friendship? You know, but then guess what? We found a common dream. Now, talking to Edgar, he says, man, Don, she's just really going for it. She's passionate about, you know, the church and how, how we can make it better. And, I'm, and he goes, I haven't seen that before. I'm, like, trying to keep up with her now. And I said, wow, because when people dream together, they bond and get closer. You know, there, there are people here that have, have surfaced up and gotten excited. And one of the, we were talking with the leaders and saying one of the most encouraging things they felt in this past year is that more people are raising up. You look in the back, and there are different people doing the sound. There are more people serving in Kingdom Kids. There are people who are wanting to do more and asking more and all sorts of things. And we go, wow, that's kind of cool. Well, we had to do that, Dave, because you're not as around as much. But still. No, what's really happening is that people are dreaming together. It was fun working with the singles this past Sunday. Because we're going to say, hey, how can we have a dream? But there's only one way to do it. Dreamers bond with other dreamers. If you're sitting here to take, you'll feel lonely and no one will ever satisfy you. Now, it doesn't mean we all shouldn't give, okay? That doesn't mean we shouldn't love each other and care for each other's needs. But if you don't have your own dream and you're not finding other dreamers, it's just going to feel empty. You know what happened is God started bringing dreamers back. You go, why did... Why did Dale and Jerry come back? Why are Dot and Gail here? How are, you know, what happened is this, because way back when we had this dream of building a church that's based on the faith and love of Jesus, and that's it. Amen. And it feels different when you're focused on the faith and love of Christ. And so they just said, man, we miss that feeling We forgot where it came from, and it comes from that one faith. And so it's great to bond together, isn't it? So that's what God called Ananias to do. But who was this dreamer that Ananias had to face? 
Verse 13. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports of this man and all the harm he has done. All the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. He has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. You go, Ananias says, God, do you know who this person is? Let's go to Acts chapter 9. Let's get a picture. He's saying, man, this guy's come to arrest people. He's come to arrest me. He's come to arrest disciples. It's more than just arrest. Let's go to Acts chapter 9, verse 1. It says here, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked for letters in the synagogue in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. He wasn't just going to arrest people. We're not talking about Saul going, Hey, you know what? I'd like to give some people some citations. He wasn't going to go look at Christians and say, Excuse me, I'm about to write you up. No. He wanted to arrest men and women, and he was breathing out murderous threats. Okay, have you ever been mad at someone? You idiot! I'm so mad at you! You know, that's like you're mad at someone. Murderous threats are different, and you're breathing them. See, I could yell something, but I'm breathing them. I want to kill you. You're dead. It's like if you have kids of a certain age and you ask them to do something. I can't believe you asked me to do that. But it was just in him, his breath. It's like Darth Vader. I have you now. He, he was just breathing hatred and death and anger against the disciples. And Ananias knew this. Don't think bonding with other dreamers is easy. Don't think touching another dreamer is easy. Dreamers are passionate people. And Paul was passionate. He was passionate about the wrong dream, but he was passionate. And Paul said, hey, I want, God's saying, I want to take this guy. And I want to. I want you to touch him. You see, a lot of times we just go, man, I don't want to work with dreamers because they're too scary, angry, intense, intimidating. And what I'd rather do is kind of work with sleepy people. <laughs> right? Sleepy people, they're doing anything. They're just going like, to uh, come drag you. Uh, you know, when my, when my kid, when, when you do a long drive with your child, they're asleep already. You just carry them, put them to bed. But if it's just like regular daytime, you say, it's bedtime. No, no, no. Ah! Run around, I don't want to, I don't want to. But boy, when they're drowsy, oh, it's so much easier. So much easier when they're doing nothing. You know, let me find the person doing nothing, because that's not scary. No. You're going to find that closeness, that passion, that bond, if you face the fears and start touching people who are dreamers, who intimidate you, who call you higher. Who make you think, wow, i got to think, act, or do things differently to keep up with this person. In our fellowship, we want to bridge the, the gaps. If you're younger, you can learn something from someone who's older. If you're older, you could learn something from someone who's younger. If you're, you know, 
white, you can learn something from someone who's black. If you're Asian, you can learn from someone who's Latino, all sorts of things. We can all, we got to go, man, let me reach across the the barriers. Let me pull together because that's what will make this church work. Most churches out there are so segregated by culture or economics and all sorts of things. And people will choose churches based on whether they feel like they fit. But if you read between the lines, that fit has shades. And we fit because we dream. And we have to work hard and face a lot to dream together. This is what we see. Lastly, though, look at Ananias' response. See, I want you to understand, God wants you to be his dreamer. God called Ananias by name, and he yelled it. And sometimes you just got to make sure you're hearing God. Look at the scriptures, look at your heart, look at your circumstances. There's a call there just for you. Secondly, dreamers bond with other dreamers. That's what you got to understand. It's not an easy bond. It's a scary bond. But it's the one that's miraculous and powerful. And for our singles ministry, if we want to take it to another level, we cannot bond based on common interests. we got to bond on one faith. That's it. It won't happen any other way. And in our fellowship over the last 15 years, we've almost made a conviction to be individualistic. Like that's somehow the better faith. My faith is better because it's my own. We almost said God is teaching us just to have our own. I talked to a guy in a different church that I'm working with, young guy, and he decided, man, I'm going to really, really live out my faith. And what happened, he said, it was all my friends deserted me. And then I just realized, you know, God's just trying to teach me to have an independent faith. I just need to have an independent faith. I go, you know, I don't think that's what God's teaching you. He goes, really? I go, yeah. Look at all the times where people were alone. David, Jesus in the desert. He wasn't trying to teach Jesus, no, you need to have an independent faith and just kind of have your own little walk with me. What he's telling them is, I'm preparing you to lead. You go, God just wants me to rely on him. That's all. That's why all this has happened. No, God wants you to have an unshakable faith so that when you do the unpopular thing, like impact this world, lead other people, you're not going to fade. You're not going to shrink back. Yes, God wants you to have a strong faith. But your faith is never independent because a strong faith should always help others. It should be interconnected. Do you get that picture? That one faith is so important. We are not going anywhere in our singles ministry. We're not going to go anywhere with our kids. We're not going to go anywhere in our marriages unless we go. We've got to have one faith. And dreamers bond with dreamers. Are you with me? But it's a scary thing. Ananias answered. I have heard many reports. God, you know, this guy is a murder breather. Do you understand this? You know, how do these dreams draw me near to God? They're dangerous. They're scary. They draw you near to God because you got to work it out with him. We draw near by working it out. 
I'm telling you, we live in a world that says our walk with God should be easy. That somehow if it's not easy and it doesn't feel good, it's wrong. There are people who go, man, this doesn't feel good. It doesn't make me feel the right way. So I just, let, me, let me go look somewhere else. You go, no, no, no. That's not what God says. When, I have you, when I'm calling you to dream and I'm having you meet another dreamer, you got to work it out with me. Do you see how humble God is? He, you know, and, and he lets Annas and Ananias say these things. You know, Lord, uh, nah, nah, is there plan B? You look at God with Gideon, with Moses, with Jesus. Why did Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane said, God, if there's another way, can you give it to me? Because that's how God is. God says, let's work it out. I know I'm giving you something hard. I know what I want from you seems scary, but it's going to be awesome, but it's scary. So work it out with me. You know, a lot of people, we just stop working it out with God. It gets hard. We don't want to talk to God about it. Yeah, this is kind of scary. This is hard. Those people scare me. They've hurt me. They're hurting other people. And i got to work it out with you. That's how you draw close to God. He gives you something impossible to pursue. A lot of us are going, I want the layup. (laughs) I don't want the three-point shot. I don't want the half-court shot. I, 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 I love watching football games where my team is in the lead by a lot. And if my team starts losing, you know what I do? I turn off the TV and eat. <laughs> I'll do something else. Like, you know, cause I don't want to feel that stress. You know, that's my nature. You know, I, I just don't want to, uh, you know, um, I hate TV shows with cliffhangers. I hate anything that makes me go, oh, what's going to happen, you know? And you know it's going to be a happy ending, but I don't, I don't like that stress. But God says, no, you need it so you can work it out with me. You can get close to me so we can talk. Now, so I want you to understand this. God likes that with people. That's healthy. You work it out. But then God says in verse 15, but the Lord said to Ananias, Go! Okay, we worked it out, now go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. You know, you'll work it out. How did Ananias work it out first? He worked it out in prayer. He just talked to God about it. Some of us, we just need to talk to God. Stop avoiding him, stop resenting him, just talk to him. You can say, I don't like this, I don't like what's happening, I don't want what's happening, but talk to him. Don't be a Jonah, be an Ananias. God gave Jonah a vision and he just ran. Didn't even talk, I'm I'm gone. Some of us, we do that. I don't want to do this, God, I hate this, I stop praying. Mouth closed, knees locked. But God's saying, no, talk to me. Work it out in prayer. But you know what else? You work it out in submission. You go. Does your dream involve wrestling with your flesh to do God's will? I'm not going to say his name today, but I was talking to a brother. He had a bump in his life. I said, you know what you're not surrendered to? Life is boring and hard. I want you to remember that life is boring and hard. That's not inspiring, Dave. It's just life. 
And sometimes you just surrender to it and you do what you need to do. When we had our first child, what a, I was so like, wow, my, it was so perfect. I take her out, I'm holding her, and she put her arms up towards me. Now, you know, she couldn't see me. I, I, the reality is, it was just probably some reflex, but it looked like, <laughs> it looked to me, I love you. You know, daddy, I'm like, oh, this is going to be hot diggity. We're on the right track. Things change. Right? Things change. But when you, when you love someone, you go, man, this is hard with having a kid. It's boring and it's hard. I remember there's, there were these brothers. I can name them off. They loved kids. They rolled around them. They laughed with them. They had so much fun. When I sat with my daughter, I fell asleep every single time. And so I asked this brother, I go, does your kid bore you? And he said, yes. And I said, Phew, I'm Okay. But you realize there are certain things that are meaningful, you love them, you're passionate about them, but there are times when it gets boring and hard. And you say, I'm going to submit. I'm going to go. It's scary. I'm going to submit. I'm going to go. Are you wrestling with your flesh to do God's will? What helped Ananias. It helped him to know that guess what, Ananias? You have something scary to do. And your life is at stake. And there's this guy, Saul, who's been breathing out murderous threats. But he's going to make an impact. But I'm going to show him how much he will have to suffer too. You know, in 1 Peter, it talks about how we can take heart knowing that brothers all over the world and sisters are suffering in the same way we are. And one thing he, what, what God told Ananias is, you're not the only one who's going to have to work it out with me. Paul will too. Saul will too. Because if you're a dreamer, you have to work it out. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. In ways you can't even imagine. But it's going to be great. Let's take a look at what happens. In verse 17, then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. Can you picture this moment? See, sometimes we think, oh, placing his hands on Saul, he just went, right? Like light coming through the cracks of his fingers, right? Now that we have CGI, you'll see that, right? So, you know, I don't know. I think Saul's like this. I mean, I think Ananias is like this. His hand's all shaking, coming close. I think Ananias is figuring out, okay, close your eyes. Okay, Saul, I'm going to make you see. Count to 30, then open up your eyes, right? So he touches his eyes. You know, he runs away, right, just in case, right? You know, Ananias isn't there all courageous. He's going, I'm going to touch you. And let's see what happens. But he says this. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has set, set me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogue that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? 
Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Isn't that amazing? Ananias, scared, wrestling with God, touches Saul, and boom, Saul is powerful and does amazing things. Wouldn't you have loved to be a part of that? That's what happens when you decide to dream with other dreamers. You get inspired. You get excited. You get close. But here's what happens. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan day and night. They kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. And that's the beginning of Saul's journey. He would live the rest of his life always watching his back, seeing who was out to kill him. He would live the rest of his life kind of running away in a basket, hung out from the back window. This was the suffering that took to live out this dream. But if you would ask Paul any day of his life, how are you doing? He would say, awesome. He would say, I'm living the dream. I think many of us, we're suffering right now. And we, we get confused, we get disheartened, but I want you to understand, you can draw near to God, work it out with Him. You're suffering right now. Look and listen for God's call, even in this moment. Bond with other dreamers. Draw near to God. Let your dreams draw you near. You know, I, that's, that's our focus for this year. We're not going to just be talking about let's have some great quiet times. Because you can't have a great quiet time without a big dream. And I want each of us to start realizing we're part of God's plan. Whatever age we are, stage we are. We're part of God's plan. We need to help each other find that one faith. So we could share that one dream that God has for all of us. Have a great time in fellowship.